Hello, friends and listeners of the LeaderCast podcast. This is Mo, the producer, jumping on really quick before this episode starts to let you know that we are going to be wrapping up season one of the podcast. The final episode in season one will be coming out on April 23rd. We are going to be coming back with an even better season two later this year. Stay tuned on our socials for updates as we know more, and thank you for being an avid listener. And especially when it comes to managing cash flow, and if you're a company that's that's growing and burning cash and having to raise outside capital, you want you want the discipline of a, of a CFO who's gonna who's gonna maybe challenge certain expenditures and and, and say, well, what is the ROI going to look like? So let's have an, a, a dialogue about whether this is a, the best use of cash. Welcome to the LeaderCast podcast, a weekly deep dive into the stories that transformed our guests into leaders worth following. I'm your host, Joe Boyd. If you've been enjoying the podcast, thank you so much for being a listener. One simple thing you can do to help us out is leave a review wherever you listen. Today's guest is Dan DeGolier. He is the fractional CFO and founder of Ascent CFO Solutions. We talk a lot about how leadership has changed and how we all need to be able to lead folks anywhere we are. And we'll talk a little bit about that with Dan. Hi, Dan. Welcome to the LeaderCast podcast. Super excited to have you today. Welcome. Thanks, Joe. A pleasure to be here. You're in beautiful Colorado. I am. I'm in Boulder, Colorado today. It's a beautiful day. Uh, Super excited to get to know you a little bit. This is our first time meeting. Dan, you are the uh, founder and CEO of Ascent CFO Solutions and a fractional CFO there. I assume you provide that for other people too, correct? Yeah, we are um, a fractional CFO firm. So we're 37 people, uh, some CFOs, controllers, senior accountants, and others. Uh, I'll start with this question. When you tell people at a party you're a CFO, do you get a common reaction from folks? <laughs> um there's occasionally this, the expectation of a, of a green eye shade, sort of, you know, a CPA in the back corner. Right. Um, but I think more and more people recognize that, that they tend to be uh, strategic, strategic team members to, to executive teams. The best leadership teams I've ever had have had a, a great CFO who could also understand what it's like to be in a startup in an entrepreneurial place, you know. For sure. That makes sense. When you think about, uh, you know, obviously, LeaderCast, we're here to... Fill the world with leaders worth following. That's our mission. Uh, yep. And when you think about your earlier experiences, either as a leader or being led by someone, if there was were the early teams you were on, were you into sports or anything like that? Some of those, who were the, some of the early leaders in your life that maybe shaped you a little bit? You know, when I've when I was looking looking into your show and and what you do around uh, the, the hero's journey and things like that, it was in my early adulthood when I. Um, started getting into to Bill Moyer, uh, to Joseph Campbell and listen to him being interviewed by Bill Moyers oh, wow. and the power of myth and all that. And, and sort of, uh, seeing, seeing what that was all about. Um, that whole concept of, of the hero's journey was, was really fascinating to me in those, uh, in those early years. Um, and, uh, you know, early, early adulthood, I guess I would say, um, I definitely, uh, one of my, in my relatively early career before I started this firm, um, I did work for a um, a teammate who uh, for uh, for a leader who was definitely shaped a lot of a lot of uh, my confidence and, and my um, uh, willingness to to start my own thing and he definitely supported supported uh, my my journey. His, his name is Kurt Roscoe. He's definitely a mentor of mine. Recently hired him to help my team, my business development team with with some growth strategies and yeah. things like that. So it's it's really been neat seeing that go go full circle. That is nice. It's always nice when you've been around long enough that you can bring your mentors in 
uh, to help yeah. other folks. It's a good feeling. Oh, it's, it's the best. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Did you have early aspirations uh, around using that story stuff somehow career wise? I don't know if it was as much that as much as it was uh, just the idea of entrepreneurship and being mm-hmm. very interested. You know, I, I graduated from an accounting degree, you know, worked at a CPA firm, did audit and tax, you know, long enough to, to, to learn some good skills, but, but long enough to realize it wasn't what I wanted to spend my career doing. Yeah. So I was definitely very focused on supporting entrepreneur teams, being part of entrepreneurial teams. Companies that are disrupting uh, really had a fascination with technology companies and yeah. what they were doing. Made some my, my first my first ever stock investment was Amazon.com in the '90s. You know, uh, wish I had kept all the kept right. all the shares the whole time. But um, so I definitely was uh, intrigued by entrepreneurship, and and I feel like I've got the best of all worlds now that that um, we get to support you know over 90 companies mm-hmm. uh, in the finance and accounting function. Helping them not just with the with the numbers, but the strategy and the growth strategies and yeah. everything from pricing and competition and uh, 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 pricing and, and compensation and, and all the all the things that are um, that have a financial aspect to them, but are very strategic in nature as far as helping a company you know become successful. Yeah, I, I do want to talk about that because I think you know, living a lot of my life in a sort of startup world, there's there's this idea that. You launch your company, you you go for it as hard as you can, you grow it, and eventually you'll be able to get a CFO. And oftentimes in the traditional way, by the time you have enough success, cash flow, all that stuff to afford a good one, you, it's well past the time you needed one <laughs> often. Yeah. Uh, so well that, that of all the positions, that's the one that to me makes the most sense, I guess, to think of it fractionally before you get to a place where you need a full-time one or... Um, so I'm just curious about the origin of your company. Did that, were you just seeing that a lot? Were you already working as a fractional CFO? What, what made you sort of want to do this? Yeah, that's, that's an awesome question. Uh, thanks for asking that. I, I, I would say, so I had, had taken a role. Um, I had, was working with Kurt Roscoe, who I mentioned earlier, the mm-hmm. person I consider my mentor. That was a, a larger software company. It was a publicly traded um, uh, so, uh, Australian software company. And I had had left that role. Um, you know, the commute was very far by Denver standards. It was about a, about a two and a half hour commute per wow. day, yeah. um, and it was it was becoming kind of grueling. I had a young family at the time, so I took a role at an early stage software company, raising its first round of capital, and and right away realized they needed what I was good at. Right, they needed help improving their their financial reporting their KPI and, and metrics tracking, their forecasting, their fundraising, they were raising, they're raising that first round of VC. And, um, but it wasn't like necessarily still a full-time job, you know, yeah. the company was under $10 million in revenue. And that was my, my moment, my sort of light bulb moment saying they can't afford me, but I could, what if I was the CFO for three different companies or four different companies? Right. Wouldn't that be interesting? And so that's how that was the the sort of the origin story of the firm. I, I started as a single shingle fractional CFO and was working with three, four or five venture backed um, technology companies. And then it kind of just took off from there. I was, you know, I had developed a good reputation. People were still bringing the opportunities when I had a full plate of work to do. So yeah. I started adding teammates and and it just was a very organic sort of growth story. Roughly, what year was that when you first started doing that kind of work? So I started the I started the firm in 2011, and then in 2015 is when I rebranded it from Degolier Consulting to Ascent CFO Solutions and brought on a a second CFO. Were there many? 
I guess I've only been sort of familiar with kind of fractional sea level language for maybe five or six years. Were, were there many uh-huh. other folks doing that back then or, or like, was I just it, not aware it, of it or was it kind of a new thing altogether? It, it was pretty new. There'd been maybe one or two firms usually yeah. focused on larger size companies um, that were doing more consulting projects. Yeah. But the term fractional, I mean, I would say as little as seven or eight years ago, okay. if I was, was meeting somebody and told them I was a fractional CFO, I would get a deer in the headlights right. look <laughs> and I had to explain it. But, yeah. but the last several years, definitely people know what it is, whether it's, it's finance or, or marketing or, or revenue officer, you know, CMO, CRO, CTO, CFO, yeah. um, all of those. Um, there's a lot of HR, chief of staff. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of functions yeah. where I think um, there's a greater awareness about the fractional model. But, you know, finance in particular, I think, lends itself to um, the, the fact that as a growing company who's in that startup phase, but they're starting to really scale, um, they can get a, a really quality CFO on their team for a couple of days a week yeah. and, and and not have to pay a full-time salary and they can fill in the rest of the accounting department with, with full-time people as they, as they scale. I've always generally just defaulted to building teams, uh, especially like staff teams in, you know, an office <laughs> where right, people right, right, have, right. people are physically there and we can have lunch together. Yeah. And we, I could see it being kind of an old school way to kind of think, see it, you know, I don't want someone who just wants to be here part of the time. Like, uh, you know, this is a, we're on a task to change the world here. I don't want my CFO one day a week, even though it, I could see the great value of that. I wonder just cause it's a leadership podcast. Like are there leadership issues or maybe preconceptions that you deal with when folks think about someone in such an important position being basically part time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there is a point and there is an inflection point for, for companies where full-time does make more sense. Yeah. But, um, you know, our, our sort of philosophy and, and the approach we take with all of our clients is to be very, very deeply engaged with each client as part of their team. So mm-hmm. a CFO might have three or four, uh, clients and they, you know, some might be a couple of days a week. Others might be a day a week. Others might be just a couple of days uh, uh, per month yeah. um, as they kind of sp- spread out the time you know, based upon their needs. But for us, our best engagements is definitely where we're engaging very deeply. We're part of that team. We're still talking to the CEO maybe every day or the, the exact team. We're very much integrated as part of that team. We're just, um, especially in this more virtual world where more companies tend to be virtual and, and aren't in the yeah. office all the time. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. We still go to the office. Um, we, we do spend time in our yeah. in our clients' locations, especially early on in engagements. But I think that um, it's definitely um, an adjustment if somebody's used to if if the leadership team is used to always being in person and people full time. That there might be an adjustment to recognize. Okay, uh, you know the CFO is is going to be you know full time Mondays and Wednesdays, but on the other days of the week. Um, they're still reachable. They still they, they can still hop on a Zoom call. They can hop on a on a Slack message. They can hop on, uh, hop, you know, a phone call or a text message. So um, there's still there's still very active communication, very much an integration with the clients. But um, again, the assumption is is that uh, uh, you know you're you're as you're scaling, you you can't afford and don't need somebody you know forty or fifty or sixty hours a week. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, as you were talking, I just I had a a phone call with a, a client uh, like two hours ago. 
And this okay. is hot off the press. It's, it's nothing big, but he just said something that I've heard so many times. He's like, oh, uh, he's like, I want to do this. Uh, kind of a sales call, I guess. He's like, I, w- I want to do this. I'm all in as the CEO of the company. He's like, but I got to run it by my CFO and she's going to ask me a ton of questions and da, 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 da. Um, and, and there's, <laughs> that's their job, right? So I, I, I'm curious just as, uh, take the fractional part out of it, out of it for now. Um, yeah. but, but leaders that are, are leading a team and then have, their financial partner, maybe not even a CFO yet, could just be uh, you know a, a controller or something. Um, do you? How do you think those relationships bet work best? Because there's all, obviously na- uh, natural tension sometimes, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just curious if any any leadership lessons or thoughts you might have there about how does how does kind of the point leader interact with their their financial person in the best way? Yeah. No, I think I think. You know, there are there are CEOs who just want a yes person. People are going you know, to surround the people who are just going to agree with what they say. But I think the best leaders want to have people who are going to uh, possibly propose a, a contra- contrarian view. And and especially when it comes to managing cash flow. And, and you know, if you're if you're a company that's that's growing and burning cash and having to raise outside capital, you want you want the discipline of a, of a CFO who's yeah. going to who's going to maybe challenge certain expenditures and, and, and say, well, let's, you know, have you. What is the ROI going to look like on this on this given expenditure? Um, what what are the you know let's let's have an, a dialogue about whether this is a, the best use of best use of cash and and of course that that changes based upon the, the sector the company is in where they're at in their in their trajectory and also the the current uh, fundraising and economic environment right 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 yeah. now we're um, you know raising capital is more difficult than it than it was you know a year ago sure. and um, and so there needs to be a certain amount of discipline about you know, how do we how do we still you know shoot for growth and and success and and market market capture while still um, making sure that we have we have the runway we need to to survive and yeah. and uh, you know outlast the competition. Totally agree. There's always phases to growth, and uh, there is a phase probably where it's that needs tempered a bit <laughs> at times for folks. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was I, I was working for a software company in. Uh, uh, you know, in the during the dot com bust, right? And yeah. so, you know, there was, and then we saw a similar cycle a few years ago where uh, venture capital was flowing so freely, and, and companies were uh, felt like they they had an unlimited spigot of cash uh, available to them. And then, just like we saw in uh, you know, sort of two thousand two thousand one with with the dot com bust, suddenly, oh yeah, now never mind, you can't, you know, you no longer can easily raise capital. Right. Your investors are. Are maybe not going to just uh, just write you another. Che- you're not going to have new investors and existing investors who are just going to you know write you checks without much diligence. So, um, you know, I think there's a there's you know lessons lessons will be repeated until learned. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> so I think yeah, there's there's definitely a, a macroeconomic environment that I think affects um, those things, and also just you know a certain amount of discipline. I think is healthy throughout the the company's lifestyle, even when when, uh, you know, money appears to be growing on trees. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious about your own business as it's grown. Uh, we use the, we use the Joseph Campbell language of it. There's a dragon that usually stands in our way to get where we want to go. Um, uh-huh. did, did you have, as you were building this company, were there moments that, that you could actually label, Oh, that was, that was the dragon or the monster I had to slay to get where we are today. And, and that was the big problem in front of me. I'm just curious if you had some of those moments and how how you address those issues. 
Yeah, I think my biggest dragon was was just confidence, like mm-hmm. that I could, um, you know, that as a as a person with a CPA background, and as, as kind of you implied earlier, CPAs don't tend to be the most extroverted people in the world. Um, just kind of getting out there and and saying, yeah, I'm I'm building a reputation. Uh, we're we're building we're building something great. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, having having that confidence to say, yeah, let's 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 just let's not give up. Let's let's keep doing this. Let's keep. Uh, Keep going to events and meeting people and, and telling yeah. the story and and being able to uh, uh, you know hit sign new clients and, and and hire more people. I mean, it's you know it's one thing to hire to uh, to bring on uh, new logos and, and new clients, but it's yeah. it's also critical to to tell the story to, to candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're hiring really really high caliber CFOs who have a lot of options available to them, and so. It's it's critical that we you know create a, a great culture and 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 create uh, a place where people feel safe and there's a lot of integrity and they and they can be proud to be to be part of our team. So that's that's been you know has, takes a lot of work. You can't take your eye off on the ball eye off the ball when it comes to um, you know sort of realizing that culture, especially when in a virtual world, right? Where we're all it would be natural to, for us to be very siloed. So we yeah. make a very strong effort. To um, to have a lot of team events, we get together six or seven times a year in person. We get together every month on on Zoom for an all hands call and and go through you know client challenges. We go through uh, you know opportunities. We go through educational you know uh, events and provide you know keep everybody uh, up to speed on accounting pronouncements and and uh, strategies around um, you know reporting things like that. So uh, very much of a of a focused team building sort of environment where it would be very easy to to let that lapse and let that let that fall to the wayside. My assumption is that a lot of you are pretty similar because you went into the same field, you know. So that kind of makes your team makeup a little different than other teams perhaps. Any challenges as a leader with sort of uh having folks that maybe all think kind of similarly about things? Um, I, I think we have we have a lot of diversity in the way that in people's backgrounds and yeah. in the industries they're in and the way they approach. I mean, CFOs usually come up either the CPA accounting route or they come up more of a you know private equity investment banker yeah. or Wall Street kind of kind of route. Um, and so I think that we do have a good variation of of skills, backgrounds, opinions. Um, and so we, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we've got not just CFOs, but we have you know that's a whole the whole stack of, of accounting resources yeah, yeah. and senior accountant, accounting managers, financial analysts, and so you know you've got we've got mentoring, we've got collaboration, we've got different different points of view and different backgrounds as we as we go up the stack. Um, you know, we're we're leaning really heavily now into um, data visualization, and, and we have a we have a solution called Insights, which allows us to build really cool you know, newer technology, visual visualization things for our clients. And, uh, and so, you know, maybe some CFOs are, are a little bit less used to that and more used to doing everything in Excel and other CFOs are really hungry for, for new technology and and more efficiencies and things like that. Well, Dan, uh, uh, it's been super great to talk to you, man. This is, this has been, uh, both educational and interesting, uh, to get to know you a little bit. Um, and, uh, if, uh, if, if what you're saying sort of, if obviously some folks out there might be like, I need one of those, uh, what, what's the best way for folks to, uh, to reach out to you or your company? Yeah. Our website's ascentcfo.com. 
there's a contact us page on there. They can use that. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn is another way. Um, I'm easy to find there. We we don't do a lot of social media necessarily, but LinkedIn is where we do any anything any content we're producing and and uh, things we want to share tend to be on our on our LinkedIn page. So I encourage people to to uh, to follow us on there and and reach out to me. Thanks, Dan. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. My final question is this. If we find ourselves in Boulder, Colorado on a Friday night with nothing to do, what's the what's the restaurant or bar we should go to that only Ooh. the locals know about? Yeah. Am I allowed to say it though? Yeah. I mean, I should... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a newer restaurant <clears throat> called Stella, which is on, on Walnut Street. Um, it's sort of like a speakeasy. There's yeah. no signage. There's just an S on the door. And uh, it's it's a very a very good restaurant. But I would first make sure you go for a get there while it's light and, and get a get a hike in or a snowshoe or something like that. So uh, sure. so you appreciate that that meal afterwards. It's a very Midwestern question to ask about food before the hiking, right? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm sure. So the whole thing about new speakeasies is. They don't want anybody to know about them, but they don't want everybody to know about them. So I'm Precisely. sure Stella will appreciate the, uh, the plug. <laughs> uh, thanks, man. Maybe maybe we'll have a cocktail Stella someday when I get out there. It was a pleasure to meet you. Yeah. Good to meet you too, Joe. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, I'd love to, hopefully we can meet in person when you, when you visit Boulder. That'd be awesome. I'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. Cheers. In today's ultra competitive job market, Top-tier talent are leaving companies in search of top-tier professional development. Now more than ever, you must invest in your emerging leaders. LeaderCast 365 is a world-class professional development system featuring access to three annual LeaderCast events, a post-event journey to activate the inspiration and insights gained from LeaderCast events, plug-and-play lunch-and-learn programs with group discussion questions, concise video courses to address weaknesses and build upon strengths, and our library of more than 1,200 short-form videos from a slate of industry experts organized into 16 key professional development categories. Invest in your all-star employees and attract new top talent to join them with LeaderCast 365.